0: You're tuning in to Taz Encounters on Faith FM, and we're coming to you right across Australia, live from Hobart, Tasmania, each weekday at 9 a.m. And for those listening in Tasmania, you can catch us again at 4.30 p.m. each weekday as well. And you can also catch us through the Faith FM app or the Faith FM website where you can um, listen to the previous episodes that we've done. I'm your host Tabitha Zachariah and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston and uh, David will be summing up um, on his series The Coming King and he'll be talking about um, friend of four. Welcome David, how are you today?
1: I'm well thanks Tabitha, how are you?
0: I'm good thanks, how's your week been so far? Yeah,
1: it's been busy, always busy but it's good. Oh yeah. Fridays are a good day.
0: It is (laughs) because then you can have a bit of a rest before um, you resume, before you get back to the trend. I should say. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So, David, you've shared. This is the thirty-first episode, apparently. Yeah. Time has gone by so quick. I can't believe you've done thirty-one episodes so far.
1: It's been wonderful. Really enjoyable.
0: And in each episode that you've done, you've always um, shared some sort of. personal experience or some story to do with your family members and you've been quite generous to share 35 st- stories. <laughs>
2: mm, mm. And we
0: like hearing your stories. Thanks for that. Um do you have something else to share with us today?
1: Yes, uh, when I sum up next week I'll I'll finalize the the um the challenges series but what what I wanted to share today was uh, the, the one of the challenges that we all face is Conflict conflict is uh, an issue. And perhaps if you ever get the chance to do a conflict resolution course, it's a good thing to do. But um, reconciliation is difficult often because mm. we're dealing with people. And I, I had an experience where one of my family members and I had a falling out. And it was, it was over a simple miscommunication. It was over a, it was a tone of voice and a couple of things that were said mm. and it took 2 years to reconcile
3: mm.
1: um, and and it really hurt the relationship for for a long time mm. and and I found that it wasn't until I decided that I was going to have a look you know a good good hard look at myself at at what part I played in the 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 communication breakdown and the conflict that I was able to uh, ask God to help me reconcile, and he he did he helped me to reconcile with with my brother, which was great mm.
2: um,
1: but it is important it is important because even as Christians reconciliation can be difficult mm. and if if we don't reconcile then you know we're damaging relationships mm. that are important often very important to us. And God wants us to learn that reconciliation. And so today as we go through the program, we're going to be talking a little bit about reconciliation, I suppose. But we've already talked about that last time. Yeah. This is an extension to that. And it's uh, it's talking about why it's important to have that reconciliation.
0: Because mm, I remember uh, in last week's program, you promised to share an experience with us. So, um, thanks for sharing that mm. experience. And I believe the Bible says um, Jesus said you should forgive your brother seventy times seven. And I don't mm. think that is literal because um, that's still a big number. Mm. Um, what Jesus means is that we should learn to forgive because you know how do you expect Jesus to forgive you if you cannot forgive your brother? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, just to remind our listeners, our show number is 0488 You can text us any questions, any comments, any feedback, and we'll be able to respond to that appropriately. Um, throughout the program, so David, I understand you've done um, since you started um, doing um, the Tows Encounters, um, you've done two series so far, mm. um, so you've first series was Amazing Love and mm. um, then this series that you're finishing up today, The Coming King, and I believe mm. you've done, is it 12 episodes in The Coming King?
1: This is the 12th one, yes, that's right.
0: Yeah. Um. Can you just give us a recap of what you've done Um. in this... Yeah, in your series since you started.
1: Yeah, that's, that's actually a good idea because I'll be able to remind people where we're at. Mm. So today we're completing the Coming King series. Next week I want to tie together both the Amazing Love series I did earlier this year together with this series that I've done and see you'll see how they connect together. So the coming king as we as we started the coming king in this first presentation uh, what we did is we confirmed that the bible is a reliable document today that we can trust and we can um, you know have a good foundation on what it says we we can rely on what it says which is very very important otherwise we're looking at a book where we say the book is saying the book is right <laughs> so we had to use those outside sources to confirm that yes the bible is accurate and it, and it is reliable today the next one we looked at was messiah we looked at the true nature of god we we looked at the lengths that god went to um and that, that was quite eye-opening i believe to show his love you know he, we went into those the depths of what it meant for him sending a redeemer or sending this messiah this savior for us we learnt that god told us beforehand so that when it did happen Uh, when when, when those things did come into fulfillment that we would believe Um, we'd know that the prophecies that he gave were accurate and we saw that Jesus of Nazareth actually fulfilled those prophecies in Bread from Heaven we saw more of the character of Jesus we saw that he was more than just a man he was God in the flesh and that we're saved through Him and we're sustained spiritually through Him. That's what we looked at in that one. The next one entitled, Good God, Bad World, discuss the issue that we have with sin. You know, many people have those questions. Where did sin come from? How's God dealing with it? And uh, what's He doing? Why, is he, why does it look like He's just sitting back and doing nothing mm-hmm. in some instances anyway? No, we looked at that in Good God, Bad World. In the title presentation, almost in the middle of the series, but not quite, <clears throat> the coming king one, we looked at when the king was coming, this this glorious king the Bible talks about, when he's coming back and where we are in overall history of the world. And we looked at that statue in Daniel, if you'll remember, in Daniel chapter 2. In the presentation, the prophetic word, we saw the accuracy of biblical prophecy, which was quite obvious. Incredible also, looked at the statue and some other things in prophecy. We learned how Daniel and Revelation's visions link together and point towards the king coming soon. Mm -hmm. then we looked at signs of the times and in that signs of the times we expanded on our time in history like where we are right now and that Jesus the things that Jesus said about when he's coming uh, and what the what the times of the world would look like you know what, what the historical horizon would look like and the nature of the world. Before he comes. Mm-hmm. Through that program we learnt that we're entering that time now. You know, we're looking into it. And I guess what was with what's happened last year, this year, the year before, we can see that we're closer now to his return than ever before. Uh, in history's final pages we actually looked into the final scenes of Earth's history, you know, the things that are not yet fulfilled, but still have to be fulfilled. And we we learnt mm-hmm that it seems we're coming into the beginning, the preparation of those places right now. We're, we're, We're entering that phase where it seems the groundwork is being laid for the final movements in the world. Then we changed focus and we looked at how God wants us to prepare for the coming King. It was the presentation called An Urgent Call, if you remember. And we looked at the two sides of the conflict and the characteristics of the leaders of each side. So we looked at the characteristics of God and how he's loving and kind. We looked at the characteristics of Satan and how he's a liar from the beginning. Then we looked at a very present help. With that presentation, we delved in deeper to... um the depths of God's character, um, and these were displayed through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, which was very important. Mm. In the previous presentation last week, we looked at reconciliation. We looked deeper into what a reconnection with Jesus really means and what it means to follow him. And, um, and that way, in that one, we opened up those, those facts of, well, what does a God-centered life look like? So today as we complete the series in this presentation, Friend or Foe, we're going to look at the results of choosing one or the other, either choosing God or choosing Satan, choosing one side of the the battle or the other, and what will happen if the coming king arrives as our friend or if he he comes and where his enemy. But you've got a couple of things to share, and then we're going to have to take a break.
0: Mm. Um, Just as David has mentioned, today's title is... um, Friend or four, and uh, the first song is "Which Way Will You Choose" by the Forbes Family. But before we listen to the song, I have a question for li- to li- directed to our listeners. Um, if anyone would like to share an experience when they had someone who was their enemy become their friend, and um, what made the difference, uh, please text us your responses to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. If you had uh, an enemy become a friend, and um, what into the situation. Mm.
4: As the world becomes entwined in the lies from Satan's mind, a leader will arise to take the reins. Saying love will bring us peace if you put your hope in me. The name of Jesus, or be Which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? You got everything to gain, you got everything to lose. As the masses take his mark, believe a lie to chill their hearts, they'll know the time come seal of faith those who claim to the cross will refuse and pay the cost as God redeems his own from the sea of hate
5: which way will you choose which way will you choose you got everything to gain you got everything
4: To an end, hope will tumble down again. The Lord will make them feel their sin and shame. You can make the choice right now. Trust in Christ, our hope and crown. Or watch the world's love go up in flame. Which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? You got everything to gain. You got everything to.
5: Which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? You've got everything to gain. You
2: got everything to do.
5: This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.
0: Which way will you choose by the Forbes family? And you're listening to 10 Encounters with David Maxwell presenting this topic on um, friend or foe. Uh, but before uh, we went for a break, I asked for I asked a listener question and asked our listeners to share the experiences if they've had someone who was their enemy and um, become their friend, and what changed the situation or what made that difference. Um, send us your responses to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And for our free offer today, it's a book titled The Truth, The Whole Truth, Nothing But the Truth by Jod Knight, and I will give you more information later on. Um, so David, um, we're looking at this series, which you're finishing today, um, The Coming King, and today you're presenting on Friend of Four. And before the break, you said that we're going to look at what will happen if the king comes as your friend or as your foe. Can you expand what you mean by this, please?
1: Uh, Yes I can but before we do We're going to have a prayer We're going to read a Bible passage And then I'm going to share a a little poem with you I'd like to uh, get your mind thinking before we start today Uh, Let me have a prayer before we start Mm. Heavenly Father we want to thank you that we have your word We pray that you will speak to us Through it as we open, as we read Uh, Lord help us to understand what you mean We ask in your name,
3: Amen Mm Amen
1: So, uh, I've got the New Living Translation today, and I would like you, if you wouldn't mind, Tabitha, to read Joel chapter 2 and verse 1 to 11.
0: Sure. Um, sound the trumpet in Jerusalem Raise the alarm on my, on my holy mountain Let everyone tremble in fear Because the day of the Lord is upon us It's a day of darkness and gloom A day of thick clouds and deep blackness Suddenly like dawn spreading across the mountains A great and mighty army appears Nothing like it has been seen before Or will ever be seen again Fire burns in front of them And flames follow them, follow after them Ahead of them the land lies as beautiful as the Garden of Eden. Behind them is nothing but desolation. Not one thing escapes. They look like horses. They charge forward like war horses. Look at them as they leap along the mountain tops. Listen to the noise they make, like the rumbling ramb- of chariots, like the roar of fire sweeping across the field of stable, or like a mighty army moving into battle. Fear grips all the people. Every face grows pale with terror. The attackers march like warriors and scale city walls like soldiers. Straightforward, they march, never breaking rank. They never jostle each other. Each moves in exactly the right position. They break through defenses without missing a step. They swarm over the city and run along its walls. They enter all the houses, climbing like thieves through the windows. The earthquakes... As they advance, and the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars no longer shine. The Lord is at the head of the column He leads He leads them with a shout, "This is his mighty army, and they follow his orders. The day of the Lord is an awesome, terrible thing. Who can possibly survive?
1: Mm, what an amazing passage
0: mm.
1: uh, you can see why people might be afraid. Mm when they read about things like Jesus' return. And that's what that talks about. The day of the Lord always talks about that. I'd like to read a little poem um, that maybe will draw your mind to thinking, uh, what what would it be like Mm. if Jesus came right now? It's entitled, If Jesus Came to Your House.
3: Mm. Some
1: of you might have heard it. If Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, if he came unexpectedly, I wonder what you'd do. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know you'd give your nicest room to such an honoured guest and all the food you'd serve him would be your very best. Mm -hmm. And you would keep assuring him you're glad to have him there, that serving him in your own home is joy beyond compare. But when you saw him coming, would you meet him at the door with arms outstretched in welcome to your heavenly Mm visitor? Or would you have to change your clothes before you let him in or hide some magazines and put your Bible where they'd been? Or would you turn? Um, or would, sorry, um, would you turn off the radio and hope you hadn't heard and wished you hadn't uttered that last loud, hasty word?
3: Mm-hmm. Would
1: you hide your worldly music and put some hymn books out? Could you let Jesus walk right in, or would you rush about? And I wonder if the Savior spent a day or two with you, would you go right on doing the things you'd always do? do? Would you go right on saying the things you always say? Would life continue? For you continue as it does from day to day. Would your family conversation keep up its usual pace? And would you find it hard each meal to say a table grace? Would you sing the songs you've always sing? You always sing. And read the books you've read. You read uh, and let him know the things on which your mind and spirit feed. Or would you take Jesus with you everywhere you plan to go? Mm. Or would you maybe change your plans for just a day or so? Would you be glad to have him meet your very closest friends? Or would you hope they'd stay away until his visit ends? Would you be glad to have him stay forever on and on? Or would you sigh with great relief when he at last was gone? It might be interesting to know the things that you would do Mm. if Jesus came in person Mm. to spend some time With you. It's a thoughtful poem.
0: It Uh, is, David. Actually, mm. um, I was just thinking as you read through, those are important questions actually to contemplate on.
1: Mm. Lois uh, Blanchard uh, Eadsby uh, wrote that. Uh, It's a lovely poem. Mm. And and it does get us thinking. It does get us thinking. How, How do we see Jesus? How do we. View Jesus, is he someone who is a bother to our normal life? Or is he somebody who's already close to us? Is somebody who we would just love to see, can't wait to see? Mm -hmm. Many people see and believe that God is a vengeful God when they read verses like we've read in Joel. And soon they think he's coming as an all powerful, warring king. To destroy everyone who's been bad, cast them into an eternal, never ending, torturous fire of some kind, you know, to p- repay them for not following him. So they, they believe that, you know, God hasn't really given us much of a choice. He says, follow us, or follow me, or you're going to burn. So mm-hmm. well, what do you want to do? Do you want to live a life of misery following someone you don't trust, or, um, you know, and, and, and worry about, well, if I don't do that, I'm going to burn anyway, so which is the worst? You know, with images like that, it's, it's no wonder that many people reject God and have little time for him in their busy life. But is it really? Is that really the right picture of God? Is it really who God is? Well, you know, we've been listening throughout the series. Hopefully you've been able to hear that we have a very different picture of God in the Bible mm. uh, that really does portray uh, a God who is loving, patient, has done everything possible to save as many as possible. And he gives us really, really good reasons, Tabitha, to, to trust him, mm. to get to know him better. So as I said before the break, Jesus is either going to come as a friend or he's going to come as a foe. And which it is, is really up to us. In the Bible, there's a, a number of verses um, like the one that we read that uses really graphic and destructive language mm-hmm. when describing the return of the king. And there's a reason for this. There's a reason. Um, you see that it's talking about a consuming fire. Now, in the Bible, there's a number of references that talk about this consuming fire. Right Now, one of the ones I, I found was in Exodus 3 and verse 2. And in this story yeah uh, some of you may remember hearing about Moses, uh, he's run away from Pharaoh, he's in the wilderness, and he, he, he's walking along with his goats or his sheep one day, and he sees a, f- a fire, mm. a bush on fire, which is probably not unusual in a hot, dry place. But the difference with this was he could see the tree, and the fire wasn't consuming the tree, it wasn't burning it up. Mm. So he went to have a look at it, and and this was a fire that was burning around a, a thing like the bush but the bush wasn't consumed as he comes close he's not consumed and judges thirteen twenty, uh, when talking about the the birth or the the conception of uh, samson um, the angel of the lord that comes down and then disappears up in a fire didn't consume Manoah and his wife, uh, Samson's parents. In Psalms 104 and verse 4, God doesn't burn up his angels and his servants with fire. Um, so there's a fire that's mentioned there, but it's not burning people up. Uh, Daniel 7, 9 to 10, Revelation one fourteen. Although God appears fiery the flames don't consume those in his presence. So in the Bible the word flame, whether it's flame caused by actual fire or the fiery presence of God is really determined by the context. Mm -hmm. It's the same Hebrew word if you like in both instances. But the Bible says that God is also a consuming fire. So he must be consuming something. And we see that in Hebrews 12.29 and Deuteronomy 4.24. Why other people warned about God being a consuming fire. That—that's an, um, you know, an important question. It appears to be saying that they need to be careful to obey Him because if they're disobedient, He'll burn them up. But is that really what it's saying? Well, let me just read a passage in uh, Exodus 33, mm-hmm. and this is Moses wanting to see the face of God. Mm. Um, Exodus 33, eighteen uh, to twenty. And it says here, And he said, that's Moses, Please show me your glory. Then he, that's God, said, I will make all my glory, my goodness, pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on those whom I have compassion. But he says, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. No man shall see me and live. So Moses asked to see the brightness or the glory of God's face. And God says, you can't, because if you see me, you're going to die. Now, verse 20 makes it clear. This isn't just Moses. This is any man. Okay? And the difference between heavenly beings and mankind is mankind sinned. We're sinful. Um, but heavenly beings aren't those that are still in heaven not the fallen angels of course so clearly it's mankind's sin that prevents us from seeing God's face directly mm. while while in that sinful state if you like um, and in John chapter 1 Uh, there's really great language that explains why this is the case because uh, let me just just quickly flick to John chapter 1 and it talks about Jesus here and it says in him was life and the life was the light of man and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness didn't comprehend it now I've had a torch in complete darkness I turn the light on Mm -hmm. and when I turn the light on where does the darkness go? It just disappears. The, the light dispels the darkness. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what what God is saying here about his brightness, his light, his holiness, his, his, his brightness, his presence simply dispels the sin. It dispels. It gets rid of. It destroys in his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit like the, the, the purifying. I don't know if you've ever been to a... Um, um, a refinery where they put gold in and they and they um, they heat it and then they scrape off the dos off the top the dross off the top. Mm-hmm. Um, that process refines the heat actually refines the gold and makes it better.
0: Mm. Well, that sounds like the fact that God is a consuming fire should be good news to us because it's the sin that He consumes.
1: Yeah, that's right, that's right. With God's presence with us, the more, um, or more accurately, the more we remain in His presence, He purifies us from that sin, takes He takes it away, He takes away even the desire for it. Oh, that's what I want, I want Him to take away even the desires for the sin mm. and uh, and make us more like Him so we're ready to spend eternity with Him.
0: Mm. Indeed. Our next song is "Jerusalem," Scribe by Randy Travis. That was Jerusalem's Cry by Randy Travis. And you're listening to Taz Encounters with David Maxwell. And um, I just want to remind our listeners um, to text in their responses of an experience, reconciliation experience they've had, and um, how they went about that um, to 0488 And if you're like me, you probably hate conflict. And uh I usually feel uncomfortable if I know I'm in good I'm not in good terms with someone, especially if it's someone who's close um to me, family or close friend. And um yeah, i I don't know, it just makes it a bit uncomfortable and um as hard as it, it may be, because I remember this this one experience I had and I was saying to another friend, um I was like this person owes me an apology and the friend is the kind of um person who is real and she was like you never know you know you're probably thinking the person owes you an apology but Mm -hmm. you'll find out it may be it may not be the case when you actually have a talk with that person and Mm -hmm. that's actually it turned out to be true i was thinking i had been wronged (laughs) Mm -hmm. but then when i had um a chat and or a conversation with that that friend um reconciled with them i realized that i was on the wrong as well
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, so before the break, um, David, you were explaining how God purifies us like the gold refining methods,
2: mm. getting rid
0: of all the impurities in our lives. And that's clearly a good thing. But what's that talk? You said something about vengeance on mm. his enemies. Um that doesn't sound like a cleanup, but rather it sounds like revenge. How can we understand that as coming from a loving God?
1: Yeah, and that's and that's one of the questions that many people ask. You know, they see these wording in the Bible and they just take it at face value. And as they take it at face value, it just seems harsh, and so they just start, oh, look, it's too hard. I just let it go. So before the break, I was describing that God cleans up those who come to Him, um, like you said. You know, it's that type of purifying fire. Um, but why 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 He's purifying us is very very important. While he's doing that, it it requires cooperation, but not everyone wants to cooperate with God. Not everybody wants him to do that. Not everybody wants to know God. I was listening to a um, a politician once, and he was he was saying about the church and the role of the church, and he says, "Look, it's okay if you have an opinion on uh, who you are, um, what you believe." But there are people who don't have that opinion, people who don't want what you believe, don't believe what you believe, don't care, and they want to live their life their own way. And, and we have no right to tell those people that this is how they should behave, because as far as they're concerned, it doesn't matter to them. And, and I figure that's a fair comment. So, you know, what happens to these people when Jesus returns, when this coming king comes back? What happens to people who have decided, well, well I, don't, I don't want anything to do with that? Let me read in 2 Thessalonians. There's a verse in the Bible. 2 Thessalonians, a couple of verses actually.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, ver- chapter 1 and verse 6 to 9. I'm going to read from the New King James. And now, uh, sorry, chapter 1. Verse 6 to Mm
2: 9.
1: Starting in verse 6. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints. Let me just suppose for a moment that Pol Pot, uh, now I can talk about Pol Pot, it's quite um, well-known history, the way his regime in Cambodia ran and how um, terribly destructive he was and how many people he killed, innocent people that he killed, just to get rid of certain groups of people. Would it be fair if that was left unpunished, if, that was, if there were no consequences for that action? And no. most people in the world would say no. Mm. They would say, no, that's not fair. That needs to be dealt with. And mm. a God that's holy and just has to deal with that. In verse 8 here, as I read, we see that this vengeance falls on those that disobey God. In 1 John 3, 4, sin's called lawlessness, so you know a lack of law. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, Satan is identified as the instigator of that lawlessness. Now, law comes from God. So if you don't have God, you don't have law. Satan doesn't want God. He himself is lawless. So this is where the all lawlessness comes from. The same passage that we touched on before in Exodus 33, and 34, it talks about the, the, um, God describing his character to Moses. And his character is a character of love and justice. He, yes, he loves us so much that he came and died to save us from sin, but his justice demands that one day all the sin is going to be dealt with. Mm. So, how does that vengeance happen? You know, the word that it's using there. If you remember back to our presentation where we were talking about history's final pages. We spoke about uh, how and when the judgment ends, leaving everyone on earth um, on those two sides in the conflict and the um, Some won't change their minds, okay? Some people have changed already. Some people are still waiting to change their minds. But to demonstrate this to the whole universe, you know, who's on which side, Mm -hmm. God pours out these bowls of judgment that we talked about on the unrepentant, those who don't want to change their mind, and it shows that they are fixed in their response. Usually when bad things happen, uh, people seek help from God. Uh, They say there's no... What do they say? There's no atheists in foxholes. <laughs> you know, when the, when, when the chips are down, when the bombs are hitting, everybody is praying to God. But in this instance, they are not. When you read it in Revelation, they are cursing God, even though they have the worst things happening. So God is showing through these uh, these final bowls that it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how bad things get. They have rejected God. They hate him. They just hate him. And that demonstrates it to the whole universe. Um, these the, the final bowl, the final punishment, causes the worst and violent earthquake in Earth's entire history. It splits cities in half, great cities in half. And then it's followed by this storm of hailstones, 21 kilos Whoa. each in weight. Now, that's going to punch through buildings. Mm. You know, this is just before he arrives, so this is right, he, he's right on the heels of this. The coming king is right, right there. As he appears, those who are against God, they haven't chosen to be with him. They've actually chosen to be against him. They're destroyed, the Bible says, by the sword or breath from his mouth and the brightness of his coming. Um, so that's interesting that it says both those things. Now, I want to just quickly share an illustration before we go to another break. Mm-hmm. There was uh, Some of you might remember the Black Saturday fri- uh, fires in Victoria. Now, there was a man by the name of uh, David uh, Baitich. Now, I probably didn't pronounce that properly and apologise if he ever hears it. Uh, he was a resident of Buxton, that's uh, just north of Healesville on the outskirts of Melbourne, and he described his experience of defending his property. Amazingly, his property survived, many others failed. But, um, and were burnt but he defended his property in 2009 as the fires actually swept across his farm he not only survived but by being prepared uh, having enough access to water and keeping everything wet he saved his house as well quite an amazing story david baitage b-a-e-t-g-e if you want to look that up, um, buxton
0: mm. So, David, you're saying that when Jesus returns, we're going to need protection from his fiery presence.
1: Yes, that's what I'm saying, Tabitha.
3: Mm.
1: I'm glad you got that. So the only way we can be protected when God appears in the skies of heaven above us is to be prepared and have some sort of protection. Hold that thought, and we'll continue that after the break.
0: Mm. So just to give some information about, on our book offer, which is the book um, The Truth, The Whole Truth, Nothing But The Truth by George Knight. Um, Is there a place where you can truly find the meaning of life and path to eternity? Is there a message that contains the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Um, this book... Uh, turned to the thousands of pages of the bible from which so many people have found answers to their most profound questions the scripture the most widely distributed book of all the times continues to be as true today as when it was written and as vital for our generation as for those pasts i will give you the code to claim that book after the break but for now we're going to listen to this song it's time to get ready by malvinas
5: seems a this so welled. well, will keep on going on, and I can get so comfortable, and make this place my home, remind me Lord that there is more, than just the things I see, to so fix my eyes on Jesus. It's time to get ready Today is all that we have We can see the signs are happening Just as the Bible says So don't get caught unaware Now is the time to prepare Him today To put aside distractions and The things that lead us away To really read our Bibles and Devote ourselves to prayer To know our dear friend Jesus For He is always there It's time to get ready You can see the signs are happening, just as the Bible says. So don't get caught unaware. Now is the time to prepare. get ready, it's time to get ready, ready. today is all that we have, we can see the signs are happening, just as the Bible says, so don't get caught unaware, now is the time to prepare, This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.
0: It's time to get ready by Venus, and you're listening to Taz Encounters with David Maxwell. And before we went for break, I promised to give you the code to um, claim this book offer, which is The Truth, The Whole Truth, Nothing But The Truth by George Knight. And um, the code is King 12, text King 1 to um, no spacing between to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and uh, we'll be able to send this book to you. King twelve. Hmm. Mm, so the, before the break, David, you were saying we are going to need to be prepared and have protection from God's fiery presence when He returns. Are you able to explain what this means before um, we finish up?
1: Yes, this is a very important part of uh, of the presentation today and that's, firstly we should just take a quick step back uh, and recap for a moment. Why couldn't Moses see the face of God? He was sinful, right? Yeah. Yeah, remember we covered that? Yeah. Okay, so what did God do so he could experience what God was like? Let me just go quickly back and, and read in Exodus 33, verse 22. It says, after he said, um, You can't, no man can see me and live, he says, So it will be while my glory passes by, my brightness, my holiness, you know, all that, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, cover you with my hand. While I pass by, then I'll take away my hand and you'll see my back, but my face cannot be seen. Mm. So God hides Moses in the rock and then he covers him or protects him with his own hand. Fabulous illustration of how God himself protects us from our own sinfulness, Mm. isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's amazing how um, David. Uh, sorry, Moses' face was shining after an encounter with God, such that people were afraid to even get close to him. So that I'm just imagining that how you know you can change when you have an encounter with God.
1: With God, that's yeah. right. So elsewhere in the Bible, Jesus Himself is described as a fortress and a rock, and here He's shown as a deliverer. And a shield. So throughout the Old Testament, oh, deliverer and a shield in Psalms eighteen two. Sorry, um, throughout the Old Testament, God the Son, who came as Jesus of Nazareth. And I'm going to highlight this a little bit more. In the connecting uh, program that finalizes the whole year next week, so tune into that one to get a bit more information on that. But um, just as a statement, he uh, G- he came as Jesus of Nazareth, but he appeared many times and was referred to in the Old Testament as the Angel of the Lord. Those who saw him recognized him not only as divine but as God Himself, and we'll look at some of those texts next week. The connection is very very clear. Then to see God in any way. We must be hidden in Jesus Christ. In Romans twelve fourteen, Paul refers this uh, refers to this as putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. It means taking His sacrifice for yourself, um, and He takes our sin, and we take on His righteousness. You can read that in 2 Thessalonians chapter five. Uh, I think it's verse twenty one, uh, but in that section. So. This is this is actually done practically by the ABCD that we talked about a couple of programs ago and then followed by baptism. So accepting that we're a sinner, uh, believing that Jesus can save us, confessing our sins and making a decision to follow him. Um, then God the Father and all the holy heavenly hosts are going to appear with the coming King. Mm. That very King is is our shield and our protection from God's holiness and brightness and and as all the sin and the sin and those who would not give their lives to Jesus are going to be consumed together with the sin because as we saw in John the, the light dispels the darkness it gets rid of the sin right there and so this vengeance or justice of God is simply him ridding the world of sin. Mm. You remember we talked about the purifying of the gold? Mm -hmm. Um, To purify it properly, it's not just heated up once. It's actually heated up multiple times, and each time they scoop off what's rubbish off the top. They get more and more until it's 99.9% pure. It's basically fully pure, but they can't say 100% because there's always some impurity in it. Mm. The fire of God often refers to the Holy Spirit. Revelation 4 5 is one of those. And in this sense, we need to be often exposed to the Holy Spirit if we're to be purified daily from our imperfections, which is God's job, not ours. It's not our job. To become perfect, it's our job to be exposed to the Holy Spirit. We need to come to him each day and allow him to do his work. Then if anything remains until Jesus comes, it's covered by Jesus' righteousness. Mm-hmm. Those who've remained connected to him, they know him and they're known by him. In John fourteen one, Jesus says, believe in him. And it means to accept the gift of life. That's the covering for our sin, as I said. And it also means we've got to get to know him as a friend. Uh, it's very important that we know him as a friend personally. And one of the, the things Jesus says in Matthew 7 in the rejection of those who, who, who have rejected him is that I do not know you. Mm-hmm. And so there's that, that, that community that needs to happen, that friendship that needs to happen while we have the time here. We've got to let him be our shield, both against sin in this life and at his return. And just like Jesus did it the first time, when he came. He's coming to save. He's not coming to destroy. That's a fact of what's going to happen if we hang on to our sin. We'll be destroyed with it. But Jesus is coming to bring light and life. God's holiness though is going to consume all the sin when he appears. Uh, those who reject the light it says in Jude thirteen, will only have the darkness of death forever not eternal burning, as we talked about in a previous program. That's the vengeance of God, the justice of God, removing sin and restoring peace in the universe. In Amos 4.12, it says, prepare to meet your God. And my challenge today is, will you do this? Will you do this and start today? Will you become his friend? And when he comes, will you be his friend or will you be a foe? Why not become his friend today? Allow him to put his character inside you and you follow him gradually, each day, getting to know him better and better. If you allow him to be your shield and your deliverer, we'll be able to stand in his presence. And, and I think that's the most important thing. The coming king mm. is coming soon. And we want to be on his side. We want to be his friend, not a foe, not someone who's against him
0: indeed um, thank you David for that powerful sharing and um, I pray that we all we all will be um, the coming king's friend when he mm. returns um, what do you have for us next week?
1: well next week I'm going to join uh, the, the two sessions the two programs that I've been running the amazing love of God and the coming king series and it's entitled the amazing love of of the coming king and so it'll give us a good sound reasons again why we want to be his friend why we want to be with him so we'll see the amazing love of this coming king
0: Okay, so join David and I next week um, to learn more about what he has to share. And I believe that will be the final live program for the year. But we'll Mm -hmm. still have more um, to come, so still stay tuned. And next week we have, on Monday, we have David Leo. Uh, He'll be presenting on Encounters to the Cross and he'll be presenting with Jason. Thank you for joining us today and uh the code to claim up the book offer which is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth by George Knight is King twelve. Text at 0488 880891. Um King 12, twelve zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Enjoy the rest of your day, wherever you are. We're going out with this song All You'll Ever Need by Andrew Peterson.
4: It is like the widow's one It's enough to pay the price to set you free It can fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need Jesus, it is like the leper's River running humble with a power you cannot see. Seven times go under, let the water wash you clean. Only go down to the Jordan and believe. Only go down in the Jordan and It is like Elijah's fire Falling on the altar of your faith All the wisdom of the world Could never conjure up a spark No power of hell could ever quench this flame No power of hell could ever touch this flame And I need it I need it Closer than I I need I need it. The closer that I grow, the more I come to know how much I need the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, it is like the widow's oil. It's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. It is all you